Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's bring it on, because 85% of us actually want to hear you brag. We want to hear success stories, which I think is counter to this era we've been in where it was it's always been talk about your failures, 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 failures. But so many of us haven't even talked about our successes yet. Why did I become an executive coach? I saw lots of great people fail to get ahead at work, while their much less talented peers blew right past them. That made me furious, but also curious. What were great people getting wrong? It came down to helping them re-examine what drove success and then helping them make critical shifts one hard truth at a time. Feel like you're doing everything you were told, but you're not moving ahead at work nor having the impact you seek? Then welcome to 97% Effective with Michael Winderoth, where we skip feel-good, happy talk and engage experts in pointed conversations about what it really takes to move the needle at work and your career. So if you feel stalled or frustrated, or seek that extra edge as you move to the next level, then look no further. This is the Hard Truths Playbook you never got. Hi, I'm Michael Wenderoth, and you're listening to 97% Effective. Do you cringe at the idea of self-promotion, talking about yourself and your accomplishments? Do you deep down agree that speaking about your success is important and have actually seen it work for others but you can't quite bring yourself to doing it. The dilemma, how do you talk about yourself in a powerful and effective way that isn't obnoxious or feel icky? I'm extremely excited and honored to welcome today Lisa Bragg. Lisa has literally written the book on how to talk about success. Her book is Bragging Rights, how to talk about your work using purposeful self-promotion. Our conversation, my hope here is, should encourage you to rethink self-promotion and bragging. And it should give you ways to start harnessing them, get you out there sharing, in ways that elevate and benefit others and yourself, be that increasing your impact, helping you get promoted, or to be blunt, making more money that you rightly deserve. With a last name like Bragg, <laughs> you guessed it, Lisa has had to master the art and science of self-promotion. She has seen where being too humble has cost international deals. I imagine many of those listening out there have been on this end of the spectrum. And she's also experienced when bragging right has unlocked opportunities leading to untold fortune. Lisa Bragg is a speaker, advisor, professional mentor. She spent years as an award-winning journalist and is the founder of MediaFace, a Toronto-based content and consulting firm. She helps high achievers be seen, heard, and share their value to the world, and how leaders can help those less visible on their teams do the same. Lisa, great to have you on Connecting from Canada today. Welcome to 97% Effective. Michael, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Lisa, the topic of self-promotion evokes a lot of mixed emotions. 
So I want to parachute right in, in a somewhat unconventional way. I, I would love you to introduce yourself here in, in three different ways so that we might right away see some examples and be able to talk about some of the powerful points that you make in your book. You game for that? Uh, totally game. Yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> okay, so let's start here. Lisa, please introduce yourself. This can be the overly humble way. Overly humble. Okay. Hi, I'm Lisa Bragg. You know, I don't know what to say. It's it's all rather, it's something, it's it's actually nothing, Michael. I don't really have anything. It's I'm an author, but it's really that broadcast journalism gave me the boost. And But really, it's nothing. And I, I, I can't believe you picked me to be on your podcast. It's, yeah, I can't believe I'm here. Introduction number I one. I go on and on. <laughs> I know. And that's a very good snippet there. And I, I would encourage those who are out there, if you're listening, just to pause for a second and write down the impact that that introduction had on you, how you perceive Lisa and how that introduction may have served or failed to serve her. Let's go to a second introduction, Lisa, and crank it way up to the other side. Please introduce yourself with a more self-promoting, maybe obnoxious way that your book and your research advises us to be careful of. Okay. This is off the charts, so this one's really hard for me because, <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm coming to you from Canada, so, but my research shows that a lot of us suffer from this, but hi, I'm Lisa Bragg, and I am the best author, better than any other guest you've had on this show, and Michael, you should be honored that I'm here today. My book keeps going up and up on the bestseller list, and, you know, it's pushing other books down, and that's the way it deserves to be, so, yeah, I'm Lisa Bragg, and I'm here to own it. I love it. I don't mind the own it part a little bit, but yeah, the rest of it's just like, ah. <laughs> now, many of us, again, out there, I encourage you to pause, write down. This may evoke someone in your mind, <laughs> right, that you've heard before. But take a, a minute or two to, to, to think about and write down, reflect how that introduction came across, made you feel, and reflected on Lisa. Let's go to Lisa. Please introduce yourself in the way you as a consultant and your book advises best. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lisa Bragg, and I'm happy to talk to you, Michael, and your audience today. I'm an author of Bragging Rights, and I look forward to sharing my wisdom through workshops and keynotes. Welcome. And so, Lisa, we just went through three quick introductions, and we did those on the fly. First, to put things in context, that introduction what should be the goal or, or was your goal when you're coming on with your brief opening? Really, the goal is to start a conversation. So I use one of my formulas is from my friend, Dr. Andrea Voynicki, who uses the present, past, future way of introducing yourself. Here's where I am today. The present is I'm on your show. The past is I'm an author. And then a future opportunity. I would love to do more workshops and keynotes. And that's the future. And that gives people different points to lean in. The idea, though, is that I want to be able to then tell stories afterwards. So hopefully, Michael, you'll lean in and say, oh, I'm interested in something that you've said. Let's have a further conversation. It's really just that, hey, are you interested in me? Oh, yes, you are. Then you ask me a question. Then we have stories beyond that. And then that's where you want to have some signature stories to then tell the person that you are talking to. So then you can further the relationship. When we're just talking to each other for the first time, it's really just that networking piece. But then how do we make it into connections and then relationships? 
I love that about starting conversation and piquing interest. And this podcast is all about very practical tips. And so this framework, very memorable for those out there, present, past, future. Present, past, future, keeping it very tight, and you parachuted right in with a very concise introduction. But I want to challenge this for a second. And if we can add those three introductions, the first one, okay, the overly humble and That one, very self-deprecating. But of course, we are in the internet age, okay? Everyone can look you up. We know that buyers go research the heck out of things. Couldn't people, they look up Lisa Bragg and they see, wow, all these accolades, her book, her followers. So doesn't that speak for itself, particularly if you're in a culture where, you know, you are supposed to be humble? Well, we do want all of our social presence to be there so that someone can check us out. So then we can leapfrog a lot of that credibility conversation. So that's where I caution a lot of people I work with that they, especially when they're giving speeches, they want to list off all their reputation, all their credibility, all their certificates, all the little dots after their names, all the little letters. And we don't need to have all of that, especially if you're doing speaking or someone's invited you to be a guest on their show. They've already said, hey, my audience, I think this person is of value. So we can leapfrog some of our credibility pieces because we have the social proof that's online. And that's why I encourage everyone to have a website or at least have a LinkedIn page that people can go and check you out and see what is your social currency, that you have some value, you have some skin in this, what's going on with you. And they can see some jumping off points of interest. So definitely having your social media presence uh, available, but not becoming a social media maven that it's a full-time or part-time job, but having something there that someone can quickly check out your credibility is a good point to start. It allows 24-7, it's there speaking for you. And if you don't have someone walking around reading your bio all the time before, before you walk into a situation, it really does help. And I, before I go to events, I will check people out. I'll go and see who's there. So then I'm strategic with my time. And if I'm on a panel with other guests, I will make sure I go and find out who they are in advance and link in with them because then I can say, I already know you. And it's so funny when I go to events and I'm an attendee, I'll have people come and hug me because we already know each other because everyone's afraid of being alone there. And it's like, then you already have a a friend there and um, the camaraderie starts before you get to the event. So, you know, we are taught to be humble and to play it all down, but it's so hard nowadays where we are competing and collaborating globally that we can't just wait for someone to find us on our tiny piece of the internet. You know, I would love it for people just to come and find me, you know, just, hey, oh yes, there's Lisa way over there. But that's not just not going to happen. We have to be able to be out there and talk about our successes and let people know we're here to serve. And one of the things that you really emphasize in your book, which, which comes through in what you've just been saying, is, is being very strategic and purposeful, this idea also of making connections, and to avoid this idea of laundry lists when people can look up parts of your profile. But I'll add something here that was very helpful. This is behind the scenes when I booked you for the show and you sent me a primer. It made it very easy me doing the introduction to highlight, you had a short bio and a long bio, and a lot of savvy people will do that, but not everyone does. And so helping make it easier for others to introduce you seems to be a very big key. I also want to ask on this point, you do say in the book, times have changed. I wasn't quite sure if that referred to technology or the way the the world is shifting, but what did you mean by that and and why self-promotion is even more important? Well, you know, I can give a long history lesson for it, but, you know, we were part of 
agricultural societies for so long. We were in these small groups. We were with our kin. Our grandmothers would be able to say, yes, Michael should do this job. No, do not let Lisa anywhere near that. Like they would be able to see right there on the spot what we are good at and what we should excel at and what we should avoid. And so, and there were all, there weren't that many jobs. So you might've been the baker, the candlestick maker, or whatever it might, might be as we moved into small and small villages. But then we moved into the factory era, and that's where things really started to change for us, and hierarchy and productivity and the different rules of the game of the factory era. And that's where we heard a lot more about the social norms that we still cling to today of put your head down, do good work, and eventually someone will notice you, or you know, just be a cog in the machine. Don't put your hand up. You know, the tallest nail gets hammered down. Some of these things are older, but they really did come into force when we were in the factory era because the factory owners, they didn't want to see you. You were just the cog in the machine. So don't ruffle feathers. You wanted that steady paycheck and you wanted the safety of the factory era. That was the third industrial revolution. Now we're in the fourth, maybe fifth. We're in the imagination era, the knowledge economy. And so we can no longer cling to those old social norms that, that bind many of us of the cream rises to the top. There's so many of those myths that just, you know, wait your turn or <laughs> they just don't happen. You have to be out there advocating for yourself because you don't have your grandmother right there on the internet or in the public spaces that we're going to telling your bio, telling everyone to hire you. She's not there with you. So you have to be able to self-advocate. Even your the awesome leaders, they're not able to do it for you. They have their own fires and things that they're tending to. They have their own careers. So you need to take it in your own hand and self-promote and talk about your successes. If not you, who? Like there's no one else that cares so much about your future than you do. Yeah, this is very much about how to be proactive and, and, and taking control, power in the terms I use in my book, uh, of your career. And self-advocating is part of it. We'll talk about others also advocating for you. But let's go to that second example. This is the, the one that makes us all cringe and we worry that we're doing it if we talk about ourself or our success. What would you point out is the element that went too far or is the area to be very careful about in that second example? Yeah. So first of all, we get confused with bragging with self-aggrandizement. Mm. So self-aggrandizement is where that I'm better than you, that puffery, that put down, it's often ruthless and it's not helpful. We get that confused with bragging mm. and bragging means talking about your success with pride and pride also means some self-love. So that's where I, how I define it. So the self-aggrandizement came through where I'm better than other people and I would caution people to not do the comparison because people can check it out. So they can see, are you who you say you are? And how do you compete on better? It's such a, it's such a tedious place, not tedious, but it's a place that it's a challenge for you to always then back up right? You can't always back it up because better is determined by so many factors. You know, are you the better price point? Are you the better, you know, so it has too many variables. So I'd caution against saying you're better than someone else and doing compare the comparison piece. I would set yourself up more on here's my values and my assets. It's so tricky if you go that route where you're putting people down. And that's where we see it a lot with politicians in general, yeah. where they're always putting people down and we kind of expect it of them now. But it's so distasteful, and especially we're in politics 
polite conversations with colleagues and competitors, we don't want to do that put down piece because it's just not one of those places where you're going to actually be able to make a relationship move forward. If you're putting me down, if I'm hearing a put down in front of me, what are you saying when I'm not in the room, right? So we have to watch that. Yes, I do want you to be the person that's confident and strong and willing to stand in your greatness. I always say, let's think about collaboration over competition. If we have a competitor, how can we reframe it to think that one day I might collaborate with them? Because that will also give you more power Mm -hmm. and see you on that level of that person or even a little bit higher in your own mind than thinking of them as a competitor. So I would just watch for self-aggrandizement and watch when you hear it. Mm -hmm. But so much of it is about context. So if you're with other people who are talking great about their greatness and you add in your greatness, it sounds the same. I use the example in the book about being on a yacht and here's my yacht. And if you're with other people who have, you know, $400 million yachts, then that's context. They all have that. So I would just watch making sure that you're in context with other people who are successful when you're talking about certain aspects of your success. The put down, that's the one that hit me in your second introduction. But just to take this further, we end up with so many leaders of companies and definitely one world leader, multiple ones, are in this mold of self-aggrandizement, putting others down. And let's face it, they've gotten to the top or they were selected, right? So this is a, a tension that I see a lot, but what explains them rising then? Is there a part here that we need to think about? Oh, I wish I could say it's totally unfair. But the thing is, though, we do give people passes. Certain Mm. people get passes. And that's the challenge to all this. And that's why I want more of us to be able to talk about our successes with pride so we can be the beacon and share our stories and more and more people can come uh, come to us. So the reason they get a pass, uh, so actors... Politicians, CEOs, uh, a lot of sports celebrities, they get a pass. Mm -hmm. And it's because we expect them to get a pass. We expect them to shine. And a lot of men, let's be blunt, a lot of men get a pass. (laughs) They do. Yes, they do. And because we expect it, we put it on them to talk about it. We've said, we want to hear your bravado. We Mm want to hear that boast. And so we allow them to do that while we censor other people to say, no, 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 be the hidden gem. Be that person who's toiling in the background. You know, don't talk about yourself because, well, well, secretly, I don't want anyone to know that you're doing all the work back there because somebody will eventually notice your work and speak for you. And so it's this position where then people are in the background toiling, waiting to be noticed. Oh, but I'm still not noticed. You better work a little harder. Then I work harder. You better work a little bit harder. And so the goalpost keeps getting shifted and we don't get seen or heard. And so that's the challenge where people are burning out, waiting to be seen and heard. It's a fundamental part of being human to be seen and heard. And I'm not talking by seen and heard by billions or millions, but even by select few, we need to be seen and heard and recognized for our strengths. So yes, some people do get a pass and that's why I'm trying to get out there and help people to realize that bragging shouldn't be taboo that we need to self-promote in the world that we live in now and the world of the future where there's so many of us doing such great work. I want to ask you because in your book you do talk about you have developed these skills over time and you for much of your career featured other people. What was the, the piece that really made it comfortable to talk about your success? 
You know, I think it's a practice though. So I sometimes, I still struggle and I go to my book and I'm like, Lisa, you are this book, but you need to do this because people need to hear this message. And am I too much? Am I too little? Am I too this, too that? And we worry about being too, you know, but I need to come back to it because people need it. And when they say, Lisa, your book has made a difference to me. I, you know, got a job from this. I got the promotion. I'm like, it just touches me. And it means that I have to keep going further and further and further and not be that hidden gem that I would, would go to, because that's culturally how I was taught to put my head down, do good work. And eventually someone will notice me. So I have to keep stepping out of that and having that step of courage, step of courage, step of courage, and fear plus 10% mm. to go beyond what I would do because that's how I was trained is just to to wait for other people. I have a red thread definitely through my career. My last name being Bragg is right. a good thing where I realized success to other people meant wasn't a great thing that I would get at a young age people rolling their eyes. My daughter's 13. That's about the age that I realized my my last name bothered other people. That, And my successes, my craving for gold stars and perfectionism, you know, would be problematic. And so I realized then that I, that I should hide myself. And that was a journey of me starting to realize, no, that's not the way to success. That's the way to burnout. And as a broadcast journalist, I would always go and try to find the ignored people. Journalism's a pack thing. You'll see it. They all have the same interviews. So I would zig when they would zag and find different people and realize I'd find the hidden gems who really should be the experts that were interviewing. But actually, they weren't being ignored. They're saying, oh, no, not me. Maybe another time when I got a new certificate or something else or go down the hall to Bob or John, who's done it before. And so I'd say, no, 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 let's let me interview you. And so the people that I'd interview, I'd get to see them then get another interview or get a promotion or and so on and so forth that they'd have success. And I still have those thank you cards from from that time. So I would see this red thread and I realized there's so much to this that I can't keep hiding myself. I have to actually take my own good medicine and say, no, I need to stand in my own success and let people know. And then hopefully I'm the beacon for more people to have success. And so it's been it's been thrilling really thrilling to see to see so far you've been listening to 97 percent effective with your host executive coach michael winderoff if this interview is making you think make sure to share it with a friend now back to our interview you know as we as we dive in here to the book there's three parts that i that would love to touch on one is this case for bragging a lot of the how-to and, and shining the light on others one of the comments that you, that you make that really stuck with me was this phrase, the corrosiveness of being invisible. And what really struck me, this is less about self-promotion and more about self-advocacy, being proactive in, in shaping your, your own destiny. You've talked about it in your own personal context, but say more about this corrosiveness. It's a, it's a very stark image, this importance of why people should make the invisible visible. Yeah, it's important for us to do it for ourselves and to do it for other people for sure because that invisibility cloak after a while starts to weigh on people where they're not given credit, where they're not recognized for the good deeds. And I'm not talking about just getting the Employee of the Month award, but when we keep people under that 
they have that hidden gem feeling, they're waiting to be seen. Most people want to be seen and heard. And when they are waiting that length of time to wait, it then says, they say to themselves, huh, maybe I should go somewhere else. And because self-promotion is so, it's not favored in so many of our workplaces. A lot of people, the one time that we're all told to self-promote and to brag like crazy is when we're looking for a new job. And so people will then say, well, you know, I've gone as far as I've could in this company. I haven't gotten the recognition I deserve. I'm going to start putting out my resume. And then you put all that great stuff in there of all the good accomplishments you've had. And then you take it somewhere else. Instead of saying, if we nurture an environment of bragging and self-promotion and allowing that to happen within our organizations, then people will grow within the organizations instead of saying, well, I've gone as far as I can here. I'm going to leap somewhere else because they can't see me in the light of where I want to go here. And that's a big thing is that people will leave to go somewhere else because then they can say, well, here's all the greatness I've done. It's almost like with our families, a lot of families, they can't recognize the star that you've become or where you want to go because they've only seen you as that you know, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, and they can't see the potential you in the direction that you want to go. Some families, not all, but they can't see that you. And our workplace families, often it's the same. They can't see the potential you. And so then you leave to, to go strike out somewhere else. And that's, that's problematic for us where we can't keep you know, long-term employees anymore, team members. They're leaving because they want to be seen in a different way. So if we nurture a you know, a community, a culture of bragging and self-promotion, which I teach in the book in ways that isn't icky, uh, then you can really then nurture your employees to be their best and to be seen and be heard. There's so many mediocre people, mediocre people who are getting ahead while you're hidden gems. They're quiet and are waiting for you to see them and to acknowledge them and to give them that leg up. So we need to flip some of this around within ourselves and within our organization. Yeah, so those hidden gems out there who we want to unleash and, and show them to the world, fantastic tip in your book, if, if people aren't doing it, right, is to make sure you're keeping a brag sheet of your accomplishments on a regular basis. We know that things get forgotten, people don't see it, and it's really your job to let people know about that, and you articulate many strategies on how to do that. This isn't, of course, just Lisa's opinion. You did a great survey. It was worldwide. You fold that into the book, and there's there's at least one piece that's, that's counterintuitive there that actually people want to hear us brag. Can you talk more about that finding or, or anything else in there that particularly stuck out when you did the research? Yeah, let's, let's bring it on because 85% of us actually wow. want to hear you brag. We want to hear those success stories. So that, that was amazing when I read that. I was like, oh, awesome. Okay, good. And then uh, it was 12% said they would ignore you. Okay, that's a good number. And then 3% said they'd turn around and brag about themselves. So I'm good with all of that. You know, we don't need everyone to like us. And so just let those 12% go. But we're cheering you on. We want to hear success stories, which I think is counter to this era we've been in where it was. it's always been talk about your failures, 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 failures. But so many of us haven't even talked about our successes yet. So why can, how can we talk about our failures so much? And so that's where we need to have a healthy blend. This isn't all Pollyanna world, but we need to have 
more success stories than just the failures. What's working? That's how we started to thrive way back when. What's working? How do we move through this? So we can also show the way to our peers and to future generations. Like, this is how I got my success. I'm not saying, oh, it's nothing, you know, self-deprecation all the time. It's like, no, here's how I did this. Here are the moments and then the milestones. It's not always just how everything is so quaffed and well done. It's like, here's the work along the way, but it led me to success. So I think we need to share more about that. Uh, some more stories too. People did report that they felt that they lost, you know, one woman reported she lost probably millions of dollars for not bragging and self-promoting uh, as an employee. And then lots of people who were um, uh, entrepreneurs reported that they lost deals on it. So all the way along the, the spectrum too. Interestingly though, a lot of the research of the past, and that's what really said, I have to make this just beyond N1, my story, or just the people that I've coached and done workshops with, that it had to be well beyond it because a lot of the research of the past had been done on American university students. Right. So these are young people who are 20, 21 years old. And of course, we want to definitely fit in at that age. But as you further in your career, you also want to stand out. So we need to, yes, fit in and stand out. And so that was really interesting to read and have people report to me. I also did some interviews based on the research yeah. and thought to go to Japan where it's very much a collectivist society. So we have examples from the U.S., which we, you know, very individualistic, and then Japan, which is very collectivist. And understanding there that they're starting to change their tone a little bit, where if you write sports stars, if they write that they're good and, you know, have something to celebrate, it's, if it's in social posts, it's okay. It can't go beyond their lips, though. They can't speak it because then that's really looked down upon. But also in that culture, they expect people to be mind readers. And you're supposed to read my mind to know that I want a promotion. I would never tell you, Michael, I want a promotion you would have to read my mind and its body cues and signals. And so that's, you know, a challenging aspect when we're all part more and more part of global companies and working internationally. How do you read my mind and know me that well? Because I would love it if people were mind readers and could promote me, but it's just not happening. You can still do follow through with the research survey and, and right. add your input. And a lot of people have found it quite uh, introspective to, to take the survey and to give me their input. So one of the most valuable things I did was conduct that research. It really helped me to understand that it wasn't just a Canadian thing, because that was my bias. Right. <laughs> it, oh, Canadians are like this. And then I learned that it was people from the Midwest, and then people from New York, and then that it was also uh, all over the world. And interestingly enough, too, I found it quite a bit of people identified as a, a socioeconomic thing too, that if you are born into lower socioeconomic conditions, you're more likely to follow the rules and keep within the confine of put your head down, do good work, and eventually someone will notice you. So all that really interesting to, to inform my body of work. In, in previous podcasts, I've had Professor Peter Bellamy, who looks exactly at this socioeconomic class. Those of kind of lower class backgrounds don't talk about this. He's at, at University of Virginia. And talking about uh, Asians, a Asian Americans, who very much also suffer from this, particularly in the context of, of corporate uh, North American cultures, where talking about yourself, communicating broadly is valued and important. Lisa, the... 
large and really helpful part of the book talks about the how. You've already covered lots of really useful tips that people can immediately take away. I wanted to ask you about, there felt like a tension of show up as a 10, be purposeful, strategic, and this is you know a, a career-winning journalist and an expert marketer talking. So it feels like on the one hand to be buttoned up, and then you hear this, well, just go do it, and don't worry, right? So that scares people. Where do I start? Are those two pieces at odds? How do you kind of thread that line? It's The tension is there all the time. I think a lot of it, and I mentioned it, it, my perfectionist tendencies. Like I think that a lot of us wait for things to be perfect, and so that's where we aren't a 10. We are a 25, or we're, we're way out of the park if we're using sports terms. Like We're just giving 150%. So I want us to start thinking that perfect is 70%. Dial it back in the areas that you can and not always worry about being overprepared for everything. Not in everything. Some things, if you're a surgeon, you have to be ready to go. But you need to, on some areas, we're just giving too much. So conserve that energy and give it in the right place. So often we'll go into a new situation and we won't show that we are strong and awesome. We'll come in a little bit under, more meek, I'll find out the lay of the land first, and then I'll be able to tell them, they'll see how awesome I am. I want you to come in right away and be awesome. Be in your power, in your strength, and don't dial it back so that you can then bring it on later. No, come in right away. And that was actually something from Vivian Picard, who was part of General Motors Foundation, and she was the CEO. And she would tell young women, she mentored thousands of young black women through her career, she would tell them, come in as a 10. Don't show up as a 6 or a 5 and think that you'll dial it up. You know, Come in ready to go. And yes, it was appearance, but also in the way you articulate articulate yourself and knowing that you are hired and valuable right away and not showing that saying that oh I'm going to work into showing them my value. So yes, come in as a 10, show up in your biggest brightest self and not sort of wax it on later on. Bring it in right away. So that was one of the key things that I thought that's what I need to do all the time is come in as a 10 and let people know that I'm here, especially in going to events. Don't be meek. Make sure you're there and you're 100% there when you're when you're on. I try to practice all the time is making sure that I'm coming in as a 10. I'm ready to go and ready to, to help and contribute. I mean, it goes to the very much the, the point of first impressions do matter. And I, I know with a lot of my clients, like if they're not participating at the beginning, they hold back and then the end of the conversation, they feel like it's too late or someone's already said that or I'll look dumb. And I really like, I will point to it in the book. I've marked the page here. You have a little self-promotion primer of which show up, be strong, don't bury the lead is, is called out. For those who, yes, they've kind of gotten over that. They're starting to do it. One of the things that I've seen, and I experienced myself right after I launched my book last year and I committed to doing every day a different social post related to the promotion of it and, and my business goes to your point of how do you make the invisible visible? This is a little bit of marketing here, but how do you keep yourself motivated? Because you know, you're putting stuff out there and you don't know how people are reacting to it. I don't, is uh, engagement, number of likes, that might be a vanity number. How does you keep yourself motivated or know what's working? I think this is the, you know, half of our marketing's working, we don't know which half. How do you track or how do you keep yourself motivated in the, the self-promotion? exercises that you do? 
Oh, Michael, it's so hard. And that's the truth of it because the algorithms are all changing. The platforms are changing all the time. So how are you making an impact? And that's why I say don't put everything into one 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 medium. Make sure that you're doing different things. So you're picking up the phone and talking to someone. You're emailing people. You might have a newsletter. You might, you know, you might be on social media, but watch out for the addiction of looking for likes and engagement because so many people are lurkers. They're watching you and seeing all the good work you're doing and you don't even know that they're there. And so I give the example of Neela in the book and she was putting things out there and she still has a small following people, but they're dedicated. And so all of a sudden she wasn't getting a lot of likes and engagement. So she was concerned. Is anyone even out there? Hello, hello, hello. And um, then one day she got a call from somebody she didn't know and he was referring a client because he wasn't the right fit for this client, but he he knew from Neela's work, all the things that she was posting out there that she would be the right fit person to help his client along on her journey. And so she realized people were paying attention, but they just weren't commenting and liking the posts because so many of us think that my like, my review, my engagement doesn't really matter. There's so many other people, but I I consume what you've put out there, but I'm not going to do it. Like how many people on this podcast listening have you gone and given Michael a five-star review on this post on on the podcast? Because it does really count. And go and give him a five-star on his book. You know, it does count, but we just don't think that it does matter, but it matters to reach new audiences. So for all of us. So it matters also if you're doing the review, put your name because then people see your name too. So it just shows that you have thought leadership and says this is good yeah. taste. But we just don't don't get caught up with the likes and just give it time. You have to let something nurture and mature. And then you can say, okay, no, this really inside isn't feeling like the right tactic. I should do something else. But make sure you have a strategy. What do you want out of this? Are you marketing to the future you? Mm. The future you. And then keep touching pace with that. But you're building a bigger body of work whenever you do anything like a blog or social media or video. You're building something beyond yourself that you can use in some other way along the way. So always make sure that you don't just write that one post. How can you slice and dice it into something else too? Because I would hate for you to spend too much time on social media, but we do need to be part of the machine that does help amplify us good point there. And I think a takeaway too is if you're following someone out there who is doing stuff, it doesn't have to be Lisa or me, it really helps to let them know that you appreciate their work. I can remember over the past year, two people wrote to me about parts of my book and how it impacted them. I was like, wow, that was an incredible feeling and really powered me. And so think about doing that because, and it does make you stand out too when you, when you share that or you amplify other people's work. And, th- and that takes us to this, this final question I've got, Lisa, which is you did allude to as a leader, as someone who starts to build a following or influence, how you can amplify the work of others. And again, to your, to your whole point before, we know people leave companies not because of money or very rarely, it's mainly because they don't feel valued. What have you seen companies doing? Any best practices or leaders other than having people periodically share their successes? Well, they do make it a culture of talking about their successes. How do we share credit is one of the big things. So making sure that you know what, I give you credit for the work that you're doing and then I give somebody else credit and then I can say, here's the credit I deserve. So a lot of organizations I work with realize that credit is important. You know, we'll say, there's no I in team and everyone shares the credit. That is not true and more organizations are realizing that by letting people 
own credit, have credit, receive credit, then they see feel more valued and they're willing to contribute more and talk about more of, yes, the successes, but they're also feeling more safe to talk about their failures. So I'm seeing more and more organizations start to adopt that, yes, let's talk about success and credit and how it moves through our organization and not just giving all the credit to the CEO. So there's some exercises in chapter 13 for leaders to really help their teams shine it's a halo effect. When I have a team that's shining, more people will want to come and join my team and join my organization. So making sure that we have these stories of success out there and that are real at the core of our company. And then more people will come to us, more clients will come to us because they we are attracted to success. Yeah. So more people come to us from that. So yeah, yeah it's really exciting to see inside organizations when there's a click. I, so one quick story, I was brought in to work with a group and they were new to each other and things were a little offside, several different generations going on in there. And so I came in and we started doing how can we collectively start to brag and self-promote our individuals and the team. So doing it both at the same time, we're talking individual, but then we're talking team. And they went on within the next six months to be not just a team that was a little bit disjointed to being seen as a team that was a force within the organization organization and recognized and partners were coming to them and saying kudos. And so they went to being recognized and people were then saying, what's the secret to your success? And it was because they were talking about their successes together and then as a team. So it was really good to see that. And then one of them stopped me. They had me come back a while later and to talk to their, to the bigger organization. And uh, they said, I got promoted. I have a promotion. I got more money. And it wasn't even in the cycle of getting more money. And so she was really excited. And then her VP was also excited about it too. So people could see the success that they were having and it was permeating through the organization. So that, that lit me up to know that too, that they told me. So, yeah. Yeah. And this idea, which, which you referred to in the book, I, I also talk about it and worked with clients is if you can reframe self-promotion and thinking about how that builds your influence or impact, but benefits others as in your team helps their growth. And it's not just in service of you. It's not just me, 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 but it's about us. I really like that aspect of your book, which is elevating everyone and thinking win-win. Yeah, we're so much on the same page because it is not me, 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 me. And we think bragging is a me, me, me story, but it's here's how I'm here to serve. Then how do we partner, Michael? And then how do we change things? How do we make things better? That's what it's about. And so if people know, if you can brag and say, here's how I'm here to serve, then they'll think of you. And then that will help all of us and be a beacon instead of part of the noise and uh, make sure that you're the signal. Lisa, this has been a great conversation, but has there been any question that I have failed to ask that you want to address here as we come to an end? No, I think what I really want is that if people could go out there and find someone else to cheer and be that cheerleader, find one person and not your same old, same old. Yes, we all love Adam Grant and Brene Brown, but let's find someone else. So find someone and quote a friend. Get a post that she's made and quote them and share that post instead of just using the same old, same old. You will look like a bigger thought leader from it and you'll also help other people to shine. So I challenge you on that one as we round out the podcast is put the shine on other people because it does come back to you in more ways than you'll ever realize. So Lisa, the best way for people to reach you and see your work? 
Yeah, you can find me at lisabragg.com and it's Bragg with two G's. And you can also find me, I'm heavily on LinkedIn. So come find me there and find me and uh, connect with me there. And then if you hashtag anything, hashtag bragging rights, mm. I will find it and help amplify and cheer you on. So I appreciate this time. Thank you. Hashtag bragging rights. Lisa Bragg, author of Bragging Rights, How to Talk About Your Work Using Purposeful Self-Promotion. Lisa, awesome, and thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you as a guest. Oh, I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to 97% Effective, where we skip happy talk and help you break through and ascend one hard truth at a time. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, you can get free resources, including the first chapters of Michael's book, Get Promoted, on his website, www.changwinderoth.com. That's www.changwenderoth.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.